1: The Coaches
2: Network, bringing the
1: game together. you now listen to The Coaches Network, a podcast aiming to bring people at the heart of player development together. My name is Coach Yas, a UEFA A licence and FA goalkeeping B licence coach with over 10 years' experience working at youth football from grassroots right through to Premier League academies. I'm currently operating as an affiliate tutor for the FA, alongside working towards a Masters in Performance Football Coaching. I'll be sitting down with coaches, coach educators and key figures in the game to have free-flowing conversations and discuss the challenges, lessons learned and effective trends in the coaching world today. As usual, I'll be joined by my co-hosts, Ahmed, Ben and Sherlyn. Welcome back, guys. Um, how are you guys doing? All good. Yep, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, all good. Today, we're just going to be looking at the concept of um, individual coaching, unit coaching, team coaching, whether one is more preferable than the other whether one has, a, I guess, a bigger part to play in the development of players or the other, um, and also what our perspective on the different elements of that those things are. I'm just going to start by looking at individual coaching. Obviously, you know, there's a, the different aspects to this. We can look at it from a perspective of looking at the individual within the group or team unit. Um, alternatively, you know, there's, there's a, a large rise in numbers, in my opinion, uh, of coaches going down a one-to-one coaching pathway, um, predominantly looking at more technical aspects, but, you know, we, we'll explore what that looks like on a whole. Um, what are your guys' thoughts on 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 the whole individual coaching aspect? Let's initially start with the whole one-to-one start, side of things and then we can, I guess, delve into the other side of things later on.
3: Yeah, in terms of um, individual coaching, it, it, uh, I personally feel like football has always probably been behind in that aspect. I like, uh, when you kind of look at other sports uh such as basketball the the only reason why I say basketball is just because i i can i watch it a lot so i I can relate to it a lot they, they all all if not most players have individual uh coaches as well as the coaches that are based within teams uh that are They'll be working on specific individual things, so they actually have multiple one-one-to-one coaches that will be helping them to uh, own, own their skill, especially uh, especially at the senior level, where they um, they'll have uh, they'll actually start specifying even more to have um, more coaches for different aspects of the game. So,
1: it's, uh, so as as it stands, just based on what you're saying, it's to cut you off. Are you saying that in in the sport of basketball, there's actually coaches who are specifically assigned to specific players, or is it a, a coach that has it maybe a host of players on his on his uh, I guess remit?
3: It's a mixture of both. So, like it'll be it'll, like within the uh, the teams themselves, coaches will have uh, like a, a a team of coaches that will be working with these players individually and mm-hmm. then on the in terms of the player aspect they'll have their extra individual coach that they'll be working with predominantly on like the off season period so like i do you see it now more and more in football now that like once the uh, the season's finished or you start approaching pre-season mm-hmm. that's when uh one-to-one coaching starts to one-to-one coaching sessions start to become more and more uh, prevalent mm.
1: And just, I guess, on that, on that, do you feel that that's where football's going to be going? Do you think that's, you know, we're, we're already starting to hit the landscape of where we, we're getting a lot of that one-to-one stuff going on? I know that obviously there is a lot of stuff going on pre-season and stuff um, in the off-season, as you put it. Do you feel that there's a place for that, that those extra individuals doing those those bits of work during the season as well?
3: Yeah, I do. I do because um, I feel like uh, I'm becoming... I'll admit this, like like the the culture of footballs changed from when we were growing up. Uh, kids aren't playing out as much. They're not getting that sort of um, unstructured sort of learning time that they will usually get um, within like playing on uh, on the streets or in grass and stuff like and stuff like that. So with that, the contact time for me personally, I don't feel like the contact time that they get at training is enough. Um, to necessarily develop them to like in in my context, like in YDP, to develop them to to be going on to the next level that they always need to be doing extra, and just because of the way like the world is formed now is a lot harder for them to obviously go out like that and do that sort of unstructured um unstructured sort of learning opportunities or just playing out against different. Different players of different sizes and whatnot, so this is probably the next best alternative for them to do,
1: right? And then, within that, then, so do you think that's something that the club themselves should be, I guess, implementing, or is it? Is should the onus be left to the players? To the best, do you, I mean, obviously, I
3: think it's slowly starting to happen because there, um, there is more and more coaches I actually, I mean, uh, it's more so, uh, it's more so quite common in like uh, the Dutch sort of academies where. They have individual technical coaches uh, for um, for players, and that I've seen it now slowly starting to creep in on a more part-time basis within the uh, the English academy setups. Uh, but uh, I definitely see it going in that direction because uh, they have to. At the moment, there is this little uh, gap that's happening where uh, it's only those, the kids that are, are making it are the kids are doing a lot extra uh, outside of the. Team sort of based training sessions, so you know they then this needs to be addressed by the clubs because um, if, when you think about it from a financial standpoint, not if kid could, we'd be able to be getting one to one coaches like that.
1: So No, you're right because uh, for a lot of people that do, I guess, offer that sort of service, it can be quite, quite pricey. Um, and as you put, you know, a lot of people can't can't afford it. So, I mean, what would you what would you advise to those who maybe can't afford it but maybe should be? looking to do some extra bits, how, how, what would you advise to those kids there?
3: Well, for those kids... Or that even should, for
1: coaches who can maybe, I guess, signpost or prescribe something to the players that they've got.
3: Yeah, so twofold, I guess. So, like, for, for the players, I always encourage them to, to pick the brains of their coaches and ask the coaches for, um, to create some sort of programme that they can be doing outside of the club uh, in order to address whatever... Or it can be it can be their technical strengths it can be stuff that they'll need to improve on based on their position uh just so that they're a lot, a lot more competent uh, playing within that area of the field um, and for coaches i feel like they this is where they need to start taking the ownership I mean, we've been going on about it in these previous episodes now about getting to know your players so uh, mm. knowing the sort of environments that your players come from and what access your players have uh to things so like it, I would I would say that like let's say is a is a kid that probably can't can't uh, go out that much and whatnot. Like it's, it's it's a lot it's a lot difficult to do. You may encourage him to start coming if possible a bit earlier to training, and then you you you'll come a bit earlier with him and then do some technical work with him then before the rest of the group come. You know it may be uh, it may be that he's doing uh, like he's doing a bit uh, a bit separate from the group uh, at the beginning of the training, et cetera, just so that, you know, he's addressing these, his, his individual uh, programme as much as he can.
1: Mm. Ahmed, you got any thoughts on the whole aspect of, I guess, the one-to-one coaching and, I guess, his place in, I guess, development of players, essentially?
2: Um, for me, in terms of one-on-one, I personally feel that it's it's a very powerful tool for a player to, to do um I've mm. been a bit out of touch with uh, coaching for a couple of years in terms of like doing it first hand, but for me, when I think of one on one I always relate back to the influence that parents have, and for me, the reason why some players don't kick on as they should do because they get a lot of negative one on one coaching from their parents so just a, on that then go it
1: and I guess it's a question for all of you what do you feel are the key? I guess components or characteristics that that are required from the coach that might be different to when the coach is working in a team setting that be, be that be that are ultimately crucial in a one to one setting.
2: It's all Tailored basically, what one to one should be tailored specifically for that individual. Mm. And uh, for me, like I'll just patch you back on the thing I said about like how it being a powerful tool, and you can see the importance of it because when you have a kid that is got a very influential parent and they're barking up the wrong tree the progress is, is minimal because it is such a powerful tool, that one-on-one setting. So for me, it's all about knowing the player you're working with, uh, making it tailored for them, and the benefits, like uh, Ben said, are really, really good for the individual, and they seem to be the ones that are kicking on and progressing even more than uh, mm. than kids that are not doing one-on-ones. Yeah,
4: I'll probably go along uh, along the, the similar lines as, as the other guys, um, you kind of get a lot of negative personal trainers. And when I say negative, I'm talking about people that seem to look like they're doing it to create their own fame instead of the actual essential needs of the individual player. And, yeah. you know, you see a lot over the, the internet, whether that's uh, Instagram or Twitter, you, you, it seems like there's a new culture popping up every second of, of, of the moment. And, a lot of them are doing repetitive stuff that really and truly the players are getting, whether it's in grassroots or academy. And going along the line where Ben was saying about either coming in a bit more earlier because they don't have the resources, you know, in their day-to-day life that probably other players get to have. So use that as much as possible. Mm. But more importantly, I think personal training can become something that even players of all ages can actually access themselves in a sense where alongside what Ben said as well earlier on regarding, you know, conversating with the, the club that they're at or the, the specific coaches that they're working with on areas that they could improve on and not necessarily just improve on but could make into some serious strengths going forward because a lot mm. of these personal trainers are coming out and doing these fancy videos and high-tech designs where, you know, we're going to make you into this. I and mean, you, you can't make someone, you can only guide them. So Hmm. for me, if you're going to be a personal trainer, you've got to be an all-round person and you've got to look at something we spoke about earlier, you know, before in a recent uh, podcast regarding the four corners. So personal training can come Mm. down to things such as the psychological side of the game and, you know, the the players' barriers that you can try to work on, whether that's going away and finding different footage from players that's achieving high in the game or just... Trying to tap into their own player skill set themselves instead of having someone that's saying, I can do this, I'm going to charge you 50 pounds an hour or something, you know, and then upload it and say, Yeah, cut out all the best bits and not look at the bits where they could be be struggling. So, personal training is is a wide area,
1: yeah. I think for me, I mean, just one thing I would say if, if anyone looking to step into that realm, I think ultimately you've got to know yourself. You've got to be confident in, in, I guess, what you're bringing to the table. I mean, there's many. I've seen many coaches, um, and I, I wouldn't, I would, I wouldn't trust my dog with them. <laughs> <laughs> don't even have a dog. Um, <laughs> that's, bad that's, that's my That's point. how bad it is. That's how bad. That's how bad it is. That's how bad it is. I don't even like dogs, <laughs> but I still wouldn't trust my dog with him. Um, but it's. And I say that to make a point. There's a lot of people, as you said, there's shoulders. You know, there's a new coach popping up every minute. Um, on a, on a, I guess on this one-to-one personal training gimmick, um, they're just jumping on the bandwagon a little bit. I don't think there's enough coaches that actually out there knowing exactly how they're going to help these players. I think it's definitely something. You know, if there's any parents listening to listening to this, I think because you know, let's be honest, one of the biggest challenges for the parent is sometimes lack of lack of knowledge themselves in terms of. Where they can get "quote unquote" good coaching, or I guess appropriate coaching for their for their for their child, whether that you know, whether that parents be in the psychological,
2: to understand that they can do a lot themselves. Like just like I said, it can be a big negative because it's such a powerful tool to one on one. But mm. there's a lot of resources out there. They can go on YouTube, they can go on Instagram. You have got to sift through like the garbage, but there is some.
1: Well, but that's, that's what that's what I mean for for a lot of parents who maybe aren't as clued up or don't have as much insight. It's very difficult for them to sift through that garbage, as you put it. Yeah, but I guess it um, become
2: a trial and error process. But it's better than not doing nothing, if you know what I mean. Like, if you can't well, I mean,
1: is, is it is it really? I mean, because I think I think when you look at it, if you got if you got bad have a bad experience, but you don't know you don't you, you put you, I guess you don't know any better then
2: Yeah, but is that better progress, than not
1: experiencing it?
2: But ultimately, progress will be shown from the player, if it is or or not. You know what I mean.
1: But but I'm, like I said, with parents, I think it's it's a difficult one because I've I've had parents come to my sessions sometimes where you know my my coaching doesn't look as traditional as as you know some of other, some others. I know I'm not really I'm not really a com- heavy on the command style approach, which is what probably a lot of parents would associate with coaching. I'm very laid back. I don't have a lot of interventions, and when I do, most of them are just speaking to players as the sessions going along rather than actually stopping the practice. And I've actually had in the past where parents will come to me and say, and, you know, I I can come back with a smart response, but it's like, well, when are you going to start watching what I'm actually doing then? It's it's important for coaches to understand that parents sometimes don't know any better. So it's about educating the parent as well as the player and understanding. I think that whole one-to-one coach, I think quite often it's, the coach does sell does you know there is there is often occasions where the coach does sell dreams to the coach, to the parent and the player at times um but i think there is a massive responsibility on the parents to maybe go out there and try and seek some sort of guidance around that but ultimately the you know the one to one coaching part how much of an impact or rather how much emphasis should be placed on that so how much time do you reckon should be dedicated to one to one coaching if players have got the opportunity to get access to it if not as opposed to maybe being in a team or unit um, based mm. sessions or small group sessions however however you want to see it
3: well we ca- we kind of like touched on it um, in that last episode when we talked about uh, on opposed opposed practice uh, like yes it's going to be beneficial but it it, it it clearly does have its limitations in the sense that um in terms of uh sort of like game related uh, understanding and um certain physical aspects and demands of the game uh, is limited in that sense there. But however, it, in terms in terms of, uh, you know, sort of like pure sort of technical focus and there is a certain uh, physical aspects that you can actually concentrate on such as uh, the agility and the, the acceleration and whatnot and uh, actual physical load that they're doing within the sessions that can be more focused on within the sessions. So like I do feel like it does have uh, certain benefits, um, which is more of a magnifying glass on that player there and then. Uh, as, you know, really trying to focus on on you know their sort of their technical profile and whatnot, their physical profile to a certain extent, uh, as well as you know actually trying to develop to develop the person as well. Because I've heard. Um, and like as well as uh, we've been talking about like you know a bunch of like bad one to one coaches but I've had some I've heard of some really good ones doing some really good stuff with, with players that probably had the whole package already but their mentality wasn't there so that like, they started to get one to one coaching but what it ended up being was more so life coaching and then just the maintenance of of from um, the ability that the players have already so like the, mm. you know there's there's a uh, plenty of Uh, benefits um to to it but like like i said like like i said linked to last episode there is limitations to it where like you can do all these um like yas spoke about last episode you can do all this dribbling around cones but it looks completely different than when you're going against a body and a body that can physically impose itself in your body that can tackle you
1: i just stress it's not about it looking different there is no cones in the football. Oh my goodness! <laughs> There's
3: no cones.
4: Yeah, you, you got you...
1: Cones, cones. are for warm ups, <laughs> if that.
4: Yeah, that that that's that's a separate this discussion. Yeah, yeah so you know what I mean. But on the, on the sense where personal coaching communication is key. So if the parent is not too fully aware of what what your what their child, you know, needs going forward, it's a case where. I think mm. clubs can help out a lot by describing certain elements where they could improve on. And if the parent chooses to go and get a personal coach, at least they've got that feedback there to say, right, this is what you know their club is looking to work on. And if you can give anything extra, then that would be a bonus. Because if you don't have that communication there, then you've got two separate parties going in different directions because the parents thinking that they know the best thing for their child, which by rights they have every right to do. But for the best of the child, you've got to have that level of communication where each one is kind of let,
1: let me take you back a second. Do the parents really have the right, if they don't have a, a, an understanding of, what, of of the landscape?
4: That's yes, actually. because number one, you've got to remember, the biggest thing is that's their child. Regardless of what age they are, that, that's their child. And again, it's also down, like I said before, down to the, the club to have that strong communication where you're expressing what's the best needs all round, not for the club, not for the parent, but for the child, all round of the child.
1: Rather, should the parent then have, okay, you're saying the parent has a right? I guess, let me rephrase my question. Should the parent, if they're going to go down the path of, I guess, um, asserting that right, should they not be more proactive in identifying what is the best way to support the player? Yes,
4: and that's also down to the responsibility of the club too. So, yeah. regards to so anything else, you, you know, there's that big word, safeguarding. Safeguarding covers all aspects, and all all aspects includes all parties involved with that child. Now, the club has an agenda, mm-hmm. a philosophy to follow, and the parent has chosen to join that club for that child, so both parties, club and parent, need to work in the best interests of the child all around, not just their ability on the ball, but the well rounding of that that human being, basically, which, again, comes down to safeguarding.
1: So is there a right time for players to start participating in one-to-one coaching? I don't
4: think there's a right time. I don't think there's... Yeah, I don't think there's a right time. I think there's just a time. And when that time comes, it, it, it will actually be right, yes, but you can't pinpoint a certain day or time or how many times during the week. It's just got to be a right style of programme which is going to benefit the child. And as long as there's good communication, as I said before, between club and parent, then you get the the gist of both worlds, plus you have the input of the child too. Because a child is going to be a child regardless of of age. They've got school, they've got social life, they've got, you know, they've got pressures as as we as adults have got pressures. And it's about making sure that what they're doing extra is not interfering in their way of life. And their way of life, which is a big thing, is enjoying that way of life regards to the age going forward so communication is, is a strong a strong key to to diagnose what type of training or trainer that they need should they need it for their child can i just i've that. got a question oh,
2: oh go. go go ask your question no no go on
3: Norman. no 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 because i different. I'm gonna... oh, okay right
2: i'm going to say i feel how like with Yaz's question, like, what age do you think is appropriate? I think it's really interesting how all of us, we didn't have, like, an age group in our head, but we're all kind of just talking about players under the age of 16. You know what I mean? We haven't really mentioned, like, adults.
1: No, not at all. Um, um, I'm for... um, My question was just open, generically. Yeah, exactly. like, is there is there a right time for a player to...
2: Well, I think, subconsciously, I think we all kind of realise that that one-on-one will have more of an influence, like, on the under-16s, more so than someone that's over the age of 16. But then I think what they would benefit from the older players would be maybe uh, the maturing side of the game because you always see like even with professional football players it's like they're doing well but then it's like they mature as a person and then they kick on and find that other level so uh, but yeah no I just wanted to uh, I just this just an observation I noticed how we're kind of all kind of gearing it towards it's interesting. Football,
1: but I personally um, have have got some people who I do one-to-one coaching with and majority of them are actually 18 plus. Interesting. Um, I've, so, you know, I think I've kind of, I've, I've, I guess I've wound down a little bit now. I've got I've maybe five or six with at the moment and four of them are over 18.
2: Yeah, but maybe that comes back to your theory of maybe parents are not sure what they're doing and then these players, they're sure that they want some help and they're old enough to go about it by themselves now. And
3: they've actually found a good coach. Mm. So yeah. So that could No, I find it that sense. Uh, the yeah. The question on to us is just like um does it have to necessarily be uh one to one for them to get individual coaching? So like can it not be like a small group all set up of about like five to six players that are of um you know liked like and whatnot.
2: I used to do that personally. When I used to do my one on one sessions, I used to purposely try and get two kids there. And I used to yeah. try and pass on some of that savings. For the okay, well. right. But I used can, to I just, can I just hold you there?
1: Can we go back, to the, go back to what you just said there? Now, is that, is, is that because that was more convenient for you as the coach and your schedule? No, it's... Or do you feel that that was actually more useful? And beneficial for the players, and there's no right, or wrong. There's no right, or wrong answer here, is it?
2: No, I identified as being better for the parents. I mean, for the players personally, in terms of like what they can get out of the session. Right,
1: but then now what happens now? In I guess, how much thought has gone into actually planning that session to meet the needs of both players, or is it right? And this is what I, I asked this question, and I'm not insinuating anything, but a lot of coaches who are going down the path of doing this one-to-one stuff. Are just setting up some random practices for the players and saying yep yeah, you're going're going i 'm going to develop your skills i 'm going to develop this and whatever but you're it 's not actually tailored around the needs of those particular players in front of you it 's rather i 'm the coach i 'm going to decide what we 're going to do, and this is what we 're going to do rather than looking at the player maybe where the gaps might be or where the key key areas of development could be for that player in line with where they want to get to next if that makes sense.
2: Yeah, that's a fair comment, but me, I used to always, uh, I'm, I'm not, it's just, I like to work on weaknesses. Right, but... but if it's a one-on-one environment, then we're working okay,
1: on... Okay, so rather than, how much, how much thought goes into that, actually, who you're going to pair with who? Or is it actually yeah, look, you two are available at four o'clock on the Friday night, and that's when obviously. I finish my maths lesson with Ben, so let's come along and do our session. <laughs>
2: No, no, no. It, it was never like that. It was always to benefit the players' development. And I thought if I paired them or sometimes even grouped them into a three, it was never more than three. And uh, yeah, it used to work well. It used to work well, personally. So are, are, are,
1: are you saying that actually small group sessions are going to be more effective for, for the, than, I guess, individual sessions in that respect then?
2: Yeah, I guess it just comes down to that amount of time that the, the child gets with, uh, the player gets with, uh, with the coach. And obviously, when it is a small group, you know, you can give more time. And it does still feel like a one-on-one. Like, they're still working as if it is a one-on-one. It's very intensive, you know. So, Mm. and it's always a way to, like, get players to see how other players done things that they never necessarily played with. Mm. They need new friends. There wouldn't necessarily be kids from the same club or the same area. Because I used to coach in a few areas uh, back in the day. So, yeah, I used to... It used to work quite well, actually. And
1: what kind of age group would you predominantly work with in your one-to-ones then?
2: The one-to-ones was normally between the age of 12 and 15. Okay. But I'd never put a 12-year-old or a 15-year-old. It'd always be like a, a 12 to 13 kind of thing. It would never be like a 5-year-old with a 10-year-old. That's just, you know what I mean? Just just for my convenience. Okay.
1: And as I said, just in terms of you being able to manage the differences then? What do you mean? So if they were able to cope with it, would you would you put them together? Five and a 10 year old, 12 and a 15 year old,
2: theoretically. No, I don't think I'd put a 12 and 15 year old, just if even if it, if even if it was, it was messy,
3: even if it was messy,
2: that was a 12 year old. No, I think he could get hurt personally, so I wouldn't do it. It's just, uh, you know, the, the it's being
1: interesting good, you say bad. that, right? Because I'm from a school of thought that actually you can't control what's going to happen on a match day, so just chuck him in. <laughs>
2: Yeah, but he's going to be playing with the same age group at least, maybe maybe a year. But after, you might have a player uh, who's well, got
1: all sorts of capabilities, all sorts of uh, characteristics. So you might have a player who's actually that fifteen-year-old. You might have a twelve-year-old who that player comes up against physically. next week physically as just as dominant as that fifteen-year-old. If that. Phys-
2: yeah, but that's. Yeah, I was just generalizing. Like, if you want to talk specifically, then yeah, then I can see it plausibly it can happen. But for me. Yeah, I wouldn't
1: Cause say nasty, I, why, why I say that? Because, You know, you think back to when you know when we when well I know it's a longer it's a longer it's a longer I mean, track why, back I for yourself, play yourself play play than it is for myself <laughs> and Ben. But I
2: got better playing older ones. But, but
1: that's, that, that, that's that's where I'll go with it. You know what I mean? Like me and Be- me and me and yeah, Ben well. got better by playing with the people the likes of people the likes of your age and maybe you know your parents' age like Sherlin. Wherever um... <laughs> <laughs> I
0: knew
1: it was coming, go on. I knew it was coming. So, but there's, there's a place for that, right? I mean, um, surely if, if you feel that the players that you're working with, uh, I guess, are in need of some sort of um, challenge in that respect or they can manage that, that task, then why would you shy away from that? I mean, I, it's, not, it's not really a question that needs to be answered, but it's just it's something that's kind of in my head right now. Um,
2: I guess it comes back to that point that you said about the parents where they kind of thought you were doing nothing at the session. And it's like, is someone going to pay you forty pounds an hour for their kid to get kicked and moved around by an older boy, by an older boy? You know, they, they might not see the best. But this is this do. is
1: what this is where I guess for me the one, in, especially I mean, not just a one-to-one coaching, even just in general when you're working with a team or not, it's that open relationship with the parent for me is vital. They need to know right. If, if you're working with players that you know, are, I guess being supervised by parents yeah. essentially. I think that conversation needs to take place right? and this is why obviously when you're now looking at academies and stuff like that, they're actually sitting down with the parents every six weeks and, and the player as at the heart of it and identifying for the players and making it clear this is what we're going to work on in the next cycle. This, These are the targets, these are the things that we're going to put in place to support this player and it might look like this. It might not be as rosy as you think it's going to look. It might actually take us a step back before we move forward but These are the measures that we're going to take, if that makes sense. And I think, for me, a lot of one-to-one coaches that I've observed, that I've come across, and I've just, you know, don't take those steps to make that communication clear. And not because they don't necessarily want to, rather they don't want to because maybe they don't have the the actual justification rationale for why they're doing what they're doing. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Um, So I think... you know, for coaches who are maybe considering going down that path of doing one-to-ones, strongly consider what your, I guess, rationale is for the way you work. Why are you working the way you're working? And if someone asks you, are you able to come and explain and break down, what well, this is why we're doing this and actually mean what you say, if that makes sense. Um, but kind of moving away from that a little bit. So how much... I guess if we look at percentages now, how much of a percentage or a part do you think the individual coaching has to play as opposed to the team coaching or, or, or that team environment coaching? or that, And I say team environment because I think t- having a team or a larger group of players is... is. And I say a larger group, I, gen- I generally mean over maybe 10 or 12 players as opposed to a small number where maybe it might be three or four how important do you think it is that players are getting access to that environment and obviously how much of a I guess a ratio would you say that they need to be spending in each of those environments I mean what are your thoughts?
3: Um. Yeah so like uh, for me I like, I can only base it back on uh, the context I work in and is obviously like youth development so Generally, we're trying to we're trying to focus on the individuals within the groups up, and of course, um, there is limitations with that just uh, due to the sort of uh, time or contact time that you can get with them between two coaches and uh, about a group of twelve to fifteen players at times. Uh, so, uh, I feel that it is beneficial for them to do uh, just as an individual itself. Then the the sort of things that uh, that. They'll probably look to be addressing within their their group setup is their relation with other players. Uh, of of course, the, uh, based on myself, we, we still focus on the technical aspect of it like uh, quite heavily. But is how that now links to uh, other players. So like uh, it may be predominantly working on uh, more off the ball sort sort of aspects. So that uh, your movement in correlation to others. Um, the distances that you keep between others, uh, as as well as your uh gaining a great understanding of your role and responsibilities, uh in the different moments of the game.
4: Yeah, I think again, I go back to something I said earlier on: just enjoyment. You know, coaches, we're personal coaches; they seem to want to be based just around the uh, the the technical side of things, but. As Ben uh, mentioned earlier on, kids are not playing outside as much anymore. So, when you got players that, at grassroots or academy, they may be under a lot of pressure, considering there's other players that could be better than them. So, for me, if you're gonna have a personal trainer, try and incorporate as much fun into what they're doing, which gains them much much more confidence. And if they're gaining much more confidence, they're gonna perform it on their you know their Sundays or Saturdays at their grassroots or or, or academy clubs. And when that happens, the parent can see it and they're more in the loop of what they may need going forward or just, or, or may need to stop. You'll he, have a better understanding once you can see the kid enjoying it at a better element.
1: Mm.
2: I just had a thought regarding your question, Yaz. When you, like, and I'm guilty of this myself, and I'm sure a lot of other coaches are, when we have that group together, do we just do group stuff or are we still mainly just doing individual stuff for them to, to, to progress individually? Ooh. And to be honest, look, looking back at my practices, a lot of the stuff was maybe, maybe not like more so individual technique and learning how to shoot or tackle, but not very rarely. But I reckon more often, just from this conversation, moving forward, when I've got a group, I'm going to make sure the outcomes is for the group rather than for the individual I'm not sure whether that's something that other coaches feel that they do. It'd be interesting to see what you guys have to say on that. But yeah, that was just a thought, kind of. What yeah,
1: was. I mean, from my perspective, it, it should always be about the individual. It should always be about the individual. But,
2: then when, you got the, but, but when you got the yeah, group, when you
1: got right? the group, well, the group will have the group will have a general, a, a general, um, I guess, theme that we're looking. Organization. At. Yeah, so we're going to have some sort of structure for the whole group to participate in. But actually, within that structure, how do we nail down the development needs for those individuals? So, I mean, the way I view it is this. Sherlyn, you're right. You don't make players. You help support and pre- develop players. And I don't like the whole idea of people saying, oh, I produced him, I produced... No, you didn't produce anything. You're not his mum. Exactly. Um, I disagree.
2: I disagree. I disagree.
1: Well, what? I disagree. Go for on. For
2: me, like like I said, for me, decision-making is very important. And uh, some some players do need that... More, more than guidance, they need to be told, listen, in no uncertain terms, if you're in this situation.
0: Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.
2: Like, no I mean if I if it I it. did something every every time my, someone told me something, <laughs> if I did
1: it, then I'd be in a completely different position. Ultimately, they can give me that information, they can take me to the water, but they can't make me drink it. So
3: my figure my thing is like if I if I take responsibility of like producing that player, I need to take responsibility for the hundreds of bad players One hundred percent. But I tell you what, exactly. the hundreds
1: of bad players Absolutely. that you don't that, that that didn't make it, you probably you probably even forgot the names.
2: It's a two way. It's a it's it's it so it,
1: it's literally you, yeah you got you got to take it both ways. So for me, I don't think I don't think it's possible for coaches to. I, I think I don't think it's right for coaches to say oh, yeah, I produced him. I produced him. no. You, you might have had a part in the development of the player, but how much of an impact you personally had, you will never know unless that player has that uh, raises that information to you if, or brings that to your awareness. Yeah, so I think that aspect because you might you might think oh yeah I'm working with. I'm working with Ben today but how do you know how do you know that privately Ben hasn't had another math tutor and you're thinking that you're going to take all the credit?
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Betraying me, <you>, Ben. <laughs> but, no, but, you, but you get what I'm going uh, with that's it. That, that can happen. Yeah, so I, I think, you say, know, for, for you cultures, sometimes coaches, sometimes coaches blind themselves like, yeah, I had a massive part to play or no, you don't know that.
2: It's a very influential role, role it, though, yes. It, it's a very it can
1: be. Role. It has the potential to be, but...
2: And it can be the difference for a lot of players making the grade or not making the grade. It, it,
1: it can, can be. be. It has the potential to be, but like, but, but like I said, for a coach to claim, oh, yeah, I did this and I did nothing.
2: Yeah, but that's just being arrogant and just being like, yeah, you know, he's good yeah. to me. No, it helped him a lot yeah. his journey. He was a But
1: I think, but I think ultimately, to come back to your question now... It, it, for me, it's got to be. A, it's got to be. A, it's got to be an individual thing all the time. You've always got. I think at the end of the day, we don't go in. We don't develop. We're not looking at. No matter what environment we're in, we're not developing teams. We're not developing teams. Yeah, we're true. developing in, We're helping. To, we're helping part of the process to develop individual players to move into successful environments for themselves. We're, go I'll give for an it.
2: example. I give you an example. Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah, he he went through a difficult time at Manchester United. Went there at eighteen. You can tell he was going to be a world-beater, but he puts a lot of his success down to the way Alex Ferguson... you know. But yeah,
1: so I mean, it, it, it comes, it, it comes back to kind of the conversation we was having a couple we of weeks ago credit. where...
2: It's a very, very influential... Yeah,
1: role, and know? it comes back to the conversation we was having a, a couple of weeks uh, ago uh, around mentoring. And essentially, isn't it, you know, there's no difference for me, in my opinion, from, I guess, having the right mentor and having the right coach. You just need someone who can connect with you on an inter—I guess on an interpersonal level, um, where they can actually understand. Right, these are the needs. It's interesting. I was watching that um, that, that that documentary series that's just come out recently, "The Last Dance" about the Bulls. Um, and mm-hmm. they were talking. I'm not sure if you guys had an opportunity to catch it yet, but there was one particular episode, yeah. with, uh, the latest episode, where they're talking about Dennis Rodman. Yeah, menace comes to the Bulls, and. I can't remember the quote exactly, so I don't want to misquote it, but it was essentially leave him alone. Let him do what he's doing because that's how he that's how he is. You've just got to leave people to you you got you've got to know how to approach different situations. You've got to learn how to deal with people in a way that works for them. Now, that doesn't mean let them get away with doing things that are inappropriate per se, but you've got to know how to manage the individual. So part of being a one-to-one coach, as you, you know, you touched on it earlier, you guys. Around, it's not just the technical aspect; it's actually the psychological aspect, the social aspect. How we, you might have a player who's top-notch who just wants a bit more support. who might need a bit more under uh, support in terms of maybe how to deal with pressure. Um, from a, I guess just a general standpoint, so it might be that actually one-to-one coaching might not be heavily focused around the technical side of things i've, I've had players that I've, I've, I've worked with in the past that we don't really do a lot of technical work at all some of them just wanted to go from footage and understand different aspects of the game from a tactical perspective which is then which has then helped their understanding yeah it is important but i'm saying it's just going to highlight that actually it's not just one dimension there's, there's, a, there's many different dimensions to it but again I don't want to kind of steer away from your question too much for me it's having the general goal for the team and saying right this is what the collective are going to be looking at but within that everyone's going to have their own individual roles which then kind of leads on to right how effective and how um, successful are you with your practice design how well can you design your practices to meet the needs of these players how well can you apply uh you know and we can talk, I'm sure we're going to talk about this at some point, but how well are we going to use different constraints to get support, the, support the needs of our players? And what impact do those have if we are doing that? Is it, you know, is it appropriate and is it okay sometimes to say, actually, you know, today we're really going to nail down and narrow, narrow our focus on these particular players here and the rest of the players. Yes, we still want you to get something out of it, but your outcomes might be completely different. Your Like, we might have three players here we are saying, right, we're going to do a finishing session today. So therefore, on these particular players here, we're looking at a real technical outcome for them on the finishing, actually. But on the other side of it, the rest of the players, whoever those players may be, whatever those needs might be, might be actually, we're going to really hone in on the physical corner for U4 over here and for U5 over there, we're going to really nail down on the social corner and meet those needs. All within one session, all about finishing, but actually, we're tailoring the session and, I guess, challenging the needs of those players by adapting the practice in a way where it does do that.
2: I can give Ooh. you an example where I've done that. So I've, I've literally one time put the best defender, if you want to call him that, I've said to him, listen, I don't care what's going on, you just stand next to him and you mark him. Whenever he gets the ball, you tear it." And he's like, well, yeah, but what about the ball? I'm like, listen, just do as you're told, please, is it? Because basically, there was a point where everyone was just trying to give the ball to a certain player and he was just getting the goal. But for a youth team, that wasn't good enough for me because everyone has to develop. So I'm not just about winning. So I literally wanted to prove my point in that training session. If this guy is marked, you can't give him the ball because you can't do anything with it. And then slowly, slowly, the ball was going to other players and the point got across. But it took me a whole session to do that, but I didn't mind because it benefited the team and the individuals.
3: Yeah, do, you think, do you think it benefited the individual that was scoring? Pardon me? Do you think it benefited the individual that was scoring after that?
2: No, but it wasn't the point. The point was just to get everyone to stop looking for this guy. It's basically like, if you had like a Ronaldo, like he was head and shoulders, this boy. He was literally head and shoulders from my whole group. He was very very good. So naturally boys want to win by, and it's
1: like But you know, couple, It's a couple it's a couple things in I don't know whether Ben Shaw have anything to add to this, but for me, by you doing that you have to some extent, you may be asking the player who you've told to Stay on him to do something that you wouldn't want him to do in a game.
2: Yeah, exactly. But, it was only but for one what one I'm session, trying
1: to say is, is it might have been for one session, it might have been for ten seconds, they're part of your practice. But by as soon as you do that, in my opinion, you lose your standing in terms of asking that player to do something different later on.
2: Yeah, fair enough. But in count argument, I know for a fact, and it's happened to this particular boy. After, like, four or five games in the season, he used to have three players on him, two players on him. So it was going to happen anyway. You get what I'm trying to say? But yet, the boys were still trying to pass him the ball. But they got. But the if this players, player's got
1: two or three players on ball. him...
2: But they're still trying to pass him the ball, so it was becoming a problem.
1: It was because... Well, you see, you say it's becoming a problem, but clearly, for them to be keep on giving that... He's
2: not the only player on the pitch. He's not no, you're right. On the pitch as you're right,
1: players. but... I, and I use this example all the time. If You know, how much space is space? So if you've got... Sherlin and then you've got Ben and then you've got Ronaldinho they're all going to need different amounts of space Mm -hmm. Ben might need 10 feet Sherlin might need 2 Ronaldinho might need 3 inches Yeah. but you're looking at the individual so if they're looking at that play and giving that player that ball even though there's 2 or 3 players around him they're giving it to him because they feel that he can handle that surely for me I'm looking at right. how am I going to challenge that player further how am I going to stretch that player further rather than putting a constraint in, in the way of Um, I guess trying to deter the team from giving him the ball maybe challenge them around okay when are we deciding to give that ball to him and why are we deciding to give that ball to him and then if he's in a moment where he's actually got those two or three players around him understand right when might you want to get on it and when might you actually suggest to the team actually now it's not a good time for me to get it because you've got some players who are confident completely confident they'll keep keep trying keep trying keep trying and maybe don't get success but then you've got some players who can do the job but maybe aren't confident in actually doing it. So it's about, for me, it's about finding that right balance and then supporting those players. So as you said, they keep giving that player the ball. There's a reason they keep giving it to him. Either the rest of the team ain't good enough or they've identified, this guy's excellent. So we're going to give it to him because he's our go-to man. Now, you've got to, you know, for me, you've got to be aware of how, what impact that is going to your intervention is going to have on the development of that particular player if you've now I guess create an, you you really you've created an unrealistic situation then, by asking that particular player just to stay on him, because
2: no, it's, not, it's not unrealistic. It happens in matches. It happens in matches, and not even just with one player; it with be two or three players.
1: Actually. Fine. I mean, it's it, fair Sorry. enough. I mean, I, I'm just I'm just suggesting that you know you might consider in the future potentially what the impact that would have if you're telling those players to do something that.
2: Basically, the gist of it was these players. I thought it was affecting their decision making too much. Mm. It's like it's like if you guys were playing with me, you'd always want to give me the ball, for example, innit? it? But it's not fair on you know the rest of you. You're gonna to want to touch the ball and stuff, and you know have fun. Okay, or, but
1: you you said they're university players, right?
2: No, 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 no. This was this was a youth football. This was youth football, oh. and that for me, youth football is not about winning. It's about you know developing players, making sure the whole group progresses, not just one mm. individual. So yeah, that was the reason why I done it because it was it was it was getting a, it was getting uh, a bit too much as everyone wanted to look for him, look for him. Look for him. There's other options. Mm. Pitch did, did that did, affecting did, decision did, that, did that
4: affect your your group coaching? Was that something you based around just the Indian, individual side of coaching, or was that collective, a, collectively as a group?
2: I didn't even tell them what I was doing. I just literally spoke to that guy. and said, "Listen, this is what we're doing today." Yeah, most of the session is going to be like a match. All you're doing today is you're literally going to hold on to the guy's shorts. You're going to stay on his on his, on his his shoulder, on his back. You, literally, you're always within arm distance of this player. That's all you're doing today. I don't care about the ball. I don't care about anything else. So, literally, I only just coach that one defender that day. You stay on him. Don't leave him alone.
4: Literally. So, wasn't, was
2: not it... No one else was none the wiser as, as what's going on. I wanted them to kind of make these decisions themselves. I didn't want to force it on them. I wanted it to happen naturally because, you know... If you're always going to pass to someone that can win you a game, it's not a bad idea. But when there is a, another player in a better situation, that person... But isn't
1: that be player it. being in a better... Sorry, show. I don't know if you'll get at something there, but is that player being in a better situation not then subjective? Because now, as an example, if you give the ball to one player in that situation, give the ball to another player in another situation, it's subjective in the sense that that player who's got those two, three round him, if you know he can manage that challenge... Doesn't that, doesn't that then become, the, I guess, the indicator of how um, advantageous his position is or how likely he is to get success, if that makes sense? Uh,
2: yeah, I kind of get your point yes and no. But for me, ultimately, when it comes down to decision-making, it's like if there's a better decision, it's like me, for me, decisions, you rank them in it. One, two, three, four. And uh, if you keep picking option three and four, one to two, and you know just because the player happens to be a better player, I, I didn't like that, basically. I didn't like it. So I had to do something about it. And I, the way I'd done it was very subtle. I just spoke to that one guy for the one session, listen to what you're doing today. And they got the point by themselves. They got the point by themselves. Hmm. So it worked. Was that, was
4: that something that was just random or was it something that... You wanted to build into that individual player's growth, so to say. And when I mean into their growth, was it something you continued yeah. down the line, or was it some of that just for that one moment?
2: No, so basically, they asked me what was going on the next week. They basically said to me, Well, like, what, what was that about? And then, so I thought, you know, I'm an honest person. I explained myself. I said, Listen, decision making is very important for me. You can't just keep trying to find the same person, it becomes too predictable. You'll be easy to play against. So if I know you're always going to pass it to Yaz, but I if you're getting success, ideas, is that a problem? Yeah, but it's short-term success. I'm looking for long but what term I'm trying to say is, success. okay, all right,
1: cool. Is there going to come a time where Messi's not going to get the ball?
2: Of course he's going to get the but, ball.
1: But my point is, when it, when there comes, comes a time, time where out, giving him the times. ball has become problematic, then maybe... When, when
2: there's times, when there's better options. When there's better options, that's become problematic. But
1: is there a better option if he's still getting success? That's my point.
2: Yes. His success is just beating the play and maybe having another person to beat and then maybe find another pass. But yeah, if we play another pass and can get that, what's a bit of
1: better. Well, what, what, what I'm really getting at is if it's not broke, why are we trying to fix it?
2: Are you always going to have a special player up playing up front for you?
1: No, but while I've got him there, then I'm going to utilise him. Yeah, huh?
2: but, yeah, but that, that's not my objective when it comes to youth football. I'm not there to win, I'm there to develop players. Yeah, I can see where you're yeah, coming from in
1: that. Sense, because
2: because that's... Literally, it was getting to a point where it was ridiculous. You're getting your centre-back just trying so then to...
1: Sure. I, I, I'm, I, again, I'm just playing devil's advocate. Yeah, no, I'm not I mean, saying yeah. that you're right or wrong. I'm, I'm, just, I, I mean, I'm just thinking, if I was in that particular situation, rather than suggesting the players should do something else, I'd probably just raise their awareness yeah, to what, like, that's what that's else what, they that, could do. It. I just got this guy to
2: stay on him for the whole session, and the point kind of got across to them without me even having to say anything.
4: Did did that change his game going forward? Did he continue to follow that role or did he mix it up or did he? And go then back eventually, to yeah, he... and then
2: eventually that kid, after like a month's time, when he realized he was having at least a couple minds on him every match, he'll say to me, Listen, when we do training, I don't want to do one v ones no more. I need one v twos or one v threes. And I'm like, Yeah, absolutely, no problem. Because he never played one-on-one. Literally, after he was in our team for three, four months, he didn't play one-on-one with anyone on the pitch. He was always one against two, possibly three. So, I had to do that for him in training as well. And the other players were, like, saying to me, oh, why, is, why are we not doing 1v1s? Why is he doing 1v2s? I'm like, listen, it's uh, pretty obvious. Like, 1v1, has anyone got the ball off him or anyone not get used to? We're going to try and make it a bit difficult for him. And in some situations, you're going to face this in a match. When you do face a player that's going to need two of us to double up on him. So, there we go with practising. And I used to do it with, like, the left-back and the left winger. So I used to kind of make it realistic as possible. So I wouldn't just have like the two centre-backs doing it. No, I'd have like the left-back, the left-winger with him, or the right-back, the right-winger, or maybe a centre-midfielder and the centre-back, just to try and make it as realistic as possible.
4: Mm. <coughs> so where are we looking at parents and not having a, uh, a strong understanding of what's Probably best for their child. Was that a discussion you had with them down the line regarding you? you know, he's now going from one v one to one v two or one v three, and did you give them any specifics to the reason why I, that happened? I
2: didn't. Did ask? I didn't have to. Yeah. No. I didn't have to. Like you, you, you know, when you've got a good environment going, everyone's happy. You can, You kind of don't really get much aggro from parents. It's like they're just happy because everyone's progressing, everyone's doing well.
4: I mean, the only reason why I asked because because obviously the same way, you, you, it sounds like you had a good setup there regarding your relationship yeah. with the parents, but some parents can get in a situation where they think you're probably being too tough on their child or you're not being tough enough. And that's, that's why I asked regarding, no, did you explain that to I the guess, parents down uh, the line? I think
2: that's one of the skills that I have as an individual is I kind of spot problems before they happen. And I noticed it was becoming a problem. For example, everyone just passing him the ball on the match day, you know, Soon you're eventually going to get some parents like, is there any point of us coming? We literally just stand there and just kick the ball to him and then he scores the goals and then we all go home with a win.
4: So, so did you change your stance in your your coaching, whether it's in group activities or individual-based In terms
2: culture? of? With-
4: just how you, as Yasser alluded to before, you know, this is session building, how did you plan going forward regarding you know, the next set of tra- uh, training sessions, whether it was individual by one or two people or one or three people, or compared to the groups? Did, did you change anything on, in, on that level? In terms and how of you prepared? doing
2: that, I didn't have all the freedom in the world to affect the session. So it was kind of like a thing, like a syllabus. So every six weeks, we had to work on this, and the sessions were already done for us, that makes sense. Which I didn't really like. Okay. I, I like to kind of do things my own way. But, you know, you've got to do what you've got to do to get paid. So I was happy to do it, and it worked. But obviously, you have that freedom to add things to it. But yeah, I didn't have that total freedom to to do all that stuff.
4: So when, huh? when, when you say oh. regarding, sorry Ben, when when, when you say regarding the you know doing things, because so, you know you, you need to get paid them. When we're looking at coaches online that's doing these individual works, as I said earlier, it looks like they are doing things just for promoting yes. themselves so that so they can get more more yeah. clients, so to say. But it's just where, you know, when you said about you didn't have the total freedom because you like to do certain things your way, how did that implement your way of planning regarding whether it was individual or you know, group coaching?
2: It had some effect like, but I don't know, like, uh, I, I, I don't know It's like, it didn't really have like a massive effect where I can actually remember like what i had done specifically for that player or for the group. I think this kind of carried on as normal. I just maybe done a couple of tweaks here and there during
0: session.
1: Okay. I guess question, you know, a question for all of you in, in, in that respect um, to kind of tail off on that one. How do you guys approach? And I'm almost touching it a bit there. You I know, mean, I've given a bit of my insight, a little uh, slightly. Sherlin and Bennett in particular, how do you guys approach your planning in, in terms of when you're approaching a team session? How much of that? How much of an individual aspect is taken into consideration? And is that does that vary depending on what environment you're? I guess you're you're working in for that particular session, or is uh, do you have, guys have a general blanket approach of how you approach your stuff?
3: Well, like uh, like i touched on uh, the, um, you know, diff- there's different sort of organisations that will put like certain limitations on the way you plan, uh, even to the point that they give you a session plan and whatnot. Uh, and within that, uh, within those limitations, is where you can implement on um, certain aspects. So, for example, if it's like a a sort of, uh, let's say, a skill a skill based exercise that's like three v three. I'll look to specifically set up, you know, the three against the three in order to challenge um, certain players within the group. So, if it if it's someone that I feel is, um, let's say, that is like a simple game of like line ball, so they have to stop the ball on the opposition's line that they're trying to defend or something within a small area, uh, I may put certain like constraints within it. So I may put I may say that you're only allo- like this player is only allowed to tackle this player, et cetera, So that I'm matching up uh someone who maybe is um, you know, like an elite one v one attacker against against someone who's an elite one v one defender in order to, to bring out challenges within it. Or it may it may be uh-
1: it be- I I, I, understand, I understand what you mean by that. But are you then not also then removing certain situations from practice practice in in that, that could occur in the game where you know, that player will have an opportunity potentially to try different things against those players who maybe aren't as effective at defending them than the others that are and have to maybe come up with new and try and... Are you not in some, some ways stifling their creativity and not allowing them to try out different ways of challenging or overcoming that obstacle...
3: No, not particularly because it's not something that will last through the whole exercise. It'll be it'll be a certain period of it that would exist like that so that I'm also attacking that player. Because if, for example, if, if I was to do that, um, I would t- I would tend to, let's say it's like a 15-minute exercise that I'm doing, it will tend to be about uh, five minutes of it that would uh, exist like that. Or it may be a situation where they actually rotate so they're actually all co- they're covering different aspects of it But it may be that may be predominantly focusing it may be that i'm predominantly focusing on about ten uh ten minutes with uh, you know this uh, very good one v one attacker against a very good one v one defender and then the rest of the five minutes uh, uh maybe them alternating amongst each other or just playing free play where they they can cover different scenarios uh, where they, there'll be scenarios where there they may be um loaded so maybe like a one v two aspect of it within that small area, like it's like yeah. a, you know, like a little like like we always say, like a little game happening within the game, sort of thing. So how they get out of those tight areas there, like that. So I I am always very conscious when I'm doing sort of opposed um, practices in terms of um, the players that I want to go against the players because, uh, for example, in, in the in the age group that I work with. Like that, in terms of like uh, physical maturation, it varies a lot. So like, there's kids, there are kids that have um, barely started their puberty. Then there's boys that are like are taller than me. <laughs> so, like, I, I'm I question how much they're gonna get out of it if I start matching them up against each other. So it's uh, like uh, for me, that's one thing I'm particularly. Uh, Quite conscious of the the matching up of players and the particular constraints that are put in it in order to bring up individuals because, because um I think we, not, we went we run on about it in uh, one of the previous podcasts when we we're talking about planning uh but uh, that's one thing that comes into it that like uh, between me and another coach we may have for that particular exercise five key players that we want to focus on of course it it doesn't mean that hmm. we're ignoring the rest of the players but it, it just it, we the 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 logic is we have a team of 15, we have three sessions a week, each session you focus on five key players so that they're, they're getting some real, you know, some real focus on their sort of individual development plans that they need to, to meet and they'll be in line with the topic mm. that we're, we're practising on. Uh, for that Sure,
1: session. and just in, in, on that note then, um, before we move on to Shell, how much of that is impacted if you are delivering a session alone or if you're working alongside someone in terms of, how many players I guess are targeted, or how much time is spent and do you both if you've got a co coach with you would you both target those same groups of players, or would you have a separate i guess group of players that you're looking at each within the within the larger context of the group yeah like
3: um firstly, I'll answer the first one so like if it if it is by myself like the like for for me personally the the maximum regardless of what whatever the group size is but for me personally the maximum that I would like to focus on is like six because my my natural logic of it is like, uh, let's say that um, I'm working, I'm working with like a university team or like a, a team that's 18 or above, whatever adult team. And we're doing the attacking wide players. So like uh, my I always think back to the logic of like like who my primary players are going to be within that situation, who's going to be the secondary ones, and then the tertiary ones is the ones that are more so managed. But I'm I'm generally mm-hmm. going to be focusing on the primary and secondary players within it. So that's going to be like the wingers and the fullbacks, and then their supporting centre midfielder and centre backs. That if I if I do have those sort of numbers to to do so, but I'm going to be mainly focus around that area, the aspect based on the topic. Um, if it is. Uh, in in regards to you know having another coach, that's based on the dynamic that me and that uh, coach has that can obviously vary in terms of the sort of selections that you do of players because it may be that coach may may have been um, you know has extensive experience of playing as a midfielder at a very decent level, so they may be able to actually address on um, the midfield players uh, better than I can. So in, in, hmm. in that may be their main onus and they may not actually change from, uh, from session to session. Or it may be that based on their personality, that they, uh, they have a closer relationship with, uh, you know, a particular, uh, group of players within that group. Um, that uh, they they may be be able to address better than me, and vice versa. So yeah. it can be based on a, a number of different aspects in, in, in terms of why you would do it. But um, for me personally, I do like. I do like on um, changing it up and not like just making it that uh, you know if he is a group of two um, two coaches that they interact with the same group of players each session that you, you want you want mm. like both for them to touch uh, every group as much as they can.
4: Yeah, I, I'd pretty much you know side with what Ben just mentioned there. I think a a big thing is yeah your relationship with your 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 partner coach and guiding on what experience he or her brings to the game. So, with re- re- regards to that going forward, it's just, it, it all rounds off on, on what the topic is, you know, and regarding, you know, you know similar to Ben, you know, we have three uh, sessions a week, and it's a case of we're trying to get a, at least a maximum of about five players out of the group to gain something from that week's uh, version of the topic. And it it's just be, on that then, sorry, should,
1: go, those players, are they targeted or are you just saying, right, we're just hoping that five of these players are going to get they they No, they're,
4: they're, they're definitely targeted because you, you've got to look at things where in some places you have, you know, individual sessions for players where it's to do with their uh, individual development. And they could be assigned certain things during that block of six or eight weeks of working on this side of their game. Mm. So obviously in each topic that you get from the syllabus, you're trying to fit in you know, as much as possible in your session, which is appropriate for the amount of four to five kids to at least get something from their targets out of that topic during the week. Mm. And then you could have one day having five kids and they're gaining something out of their personal targets from your topic, and then you can change it the following session. It's the same topic all week, but each player is going to be getting something out of it, a good percentage out of it, instead of having one topic for a whole group and you're trying to get everyone's... You know, desires out, with, you know, based around their targets, because you're not going to be as effective as if you would do if you were to spread it out.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, just kind of draw things to a close. And if you guys got any advice for coaches, maybe looking at, I guess, how how to potentially implement a one to one element or individual aspect to their coaching as well as the team environment. Have you got any? Uh, I guess advice in terms of how coaches maybe you should approach know, the situation go, in I that want respect. I
2: to say something if there are any parents listening. Um, in terms of like players getting neglected or not getting a lot of attention in the session, I think a lot of parents and players need to understand that the whole industry is geared towards that. Like from my from my understanding, from what I've seen, from my experiences, academies, I've got as far as some even grassroots clubs, they're only interested in the exceptional players and it's like they just need other players to make up the numbers just so these players can actually play in the team. And maybe possibly Mm. make the grade. Mm. So I think parents and players need to be aware of that. That's actually the environment that they're working within. Literally 1% of these players will make it into professional level. So uh, clubs know, academies know, especially when it is at the professional level, a lot of these players are just here, just for the exceptional players, to have a team to play in and to have people to play against in training. But I know it's a bit controversial to say, but Mm. that's the reality of life. So if it does happen in a session... As long as the outcomes are being met and progress is being made, then ultimately the coach can justify it. But it is that type of industry.
4: Yeah, I, you know, I can see where you're coming from on that one. I think just going back to you know, the riding-off point, communication is key uh, between uh, coaches and with players and their parents and their clubs. So regarding going forward, whether they're going to start on this individual line of coaching... They've got to give serious consideration, as we've mentioned before in in how they're planning for their sessions, and whatever they decide to to, to work on during their individual personal programs mm. you, there's got to be a rationale behind it the same way Ahmed mentioned earlier on about giving that player a certain target to work on during that session. That was something that wasn't just random and and stayed random it, it it became a, a highlight that was that was happening during the session before, mm. and Ahmed noticed it and a sense where now It was another part of the player's personal individual development. So whether that was in a group setting or a single setting, he 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 or she still got something out of the session and the following sessions going forward on an individual basis. Mm. So there's you know there's room for both uh, when it comes to the personal training and you know group training. But it's about the right communication and a clear understanding of all parties regarding what's best for that player, whether it's a few more sessions in group settings but with more personal targets based around what he or she needs to improve on mm. or if you have that extra time and you're able to have those resources then you could have the personal training but with those same key elements in mind as they would do at their grassroots or academy mm. clubs
3: yeah um, just uh, last one for me is just that regardless of if it's one to one or team session you should always look to coach the individuals and try to develop the individuals within the top uh, within the session and um, the other thing that I'll say to coaches is that when you are planning and delivering and reflecting um, don't look to necessarily coach the topic coach the players and let mm-hmm. the topic be the framework of which of which you use to do, um, to develop them within that because uh, what I tend to find is that when you are coaching the topic, you put a lot of limitations on the players and don't actually allow them um, to express yeah. themselves from with that. Whereas the topic should be the the topic should be the framework in which the structure that you need to your your session to do it, so that you are not just going in there free will yeah. and whatnot. And so, like the topic presents opportunities for you to develop that player and whatnot, and I'm not just talking necessarily from an academy standpoint, I'm even talking from grassroots because you spend uh, 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 quite a bit of time with these players, arguably a lot more time than um, their parents do just due to the um, the way the world is set up and with school and work and whatnot and the contact time they get. So you should really be looking to go into every session, looking to at least touch five players within that session mm. as an as a individual coach yourself.
1: I think that's a great a great point. I think in terms of, you know, the way I view it is, you're right, Ben, in uh, the the theme of your session, the topic of your session, is, is merely just a vehicle for moving the player pathway to point B. Um, and that doesn't mean that B is the end point. It's just where they're going to go to next. I think um, a lot of time coaches can get too bogged down with the topic and the theme itself and identifying... An out specific outcome from the, the actual theme, rather than looking at how the players are progressing. Um, and I think it's, it's important that coaches do assess and evaluate how the players are progressing, not just from a technical standpoint, but from a psychological, social, and a physical standpoint within that session, to identify whether there has been some success um, made or some steps made towards achieving success, um, whatever that may look like for your players within the session. But listen, guys, it's been another very interesting conversation. Um, thoroughly enjoyed it yet again. Um, just before we go, if you could just let the listeners know where where they can find you if they want to get in touch. Yeah, <laughs> oh, the best uh,
3: You can find me on the uh, Instagram and Twitter at uh, FocusBXN. That is F O C U S B X N.
2: If you want to contact me on uh, Twitter or Instagram, it's second best. So you, so you've
1: known all along that Ben had MVP. a tutor then.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah I've been tutoring for about 10 years
1: <laughs> go ahead, That's show what? let us know
4: yeah, <laughs> yeah you, you can find me on Instagram and uh, Twitter Instagram is bellofigo78 and my
3: Twitter handle. <laughs> is still You need to change that eventually, <laughs> <laughs> i Nah, right, nah,
1: nah. find <laughs> um, yes, uh, you can find me on Instagram at the Coaches Network or on Twitter at the Coaches Net. If you guys can just um, keep an eye out for the future shows that we're coming up. If you've got any questions, feel free to send them into one of us, and we're we'll more than happy to see to them uh, on the next show. Until then, guys, have a great day. Take care, fellas. Well, I want to thank everyone for tuning in to another edition of the Coaches Network podcast. I've no doubt you've enjoyed it as much as we have. Now that you've got a way to contact all the guys, we look forward to seeing some comments and questions around today's show. And don't forget, head over to the platform that you found this edition on, and leave us a five-star review and let everybody know how awesome the show is. We'll read all comments, good or bad, so leave that comment for us and take care, everyone. Until next time.
2: The Coaches Network